0: Welcome to The Film That Blew My Mind, our weekly podcast all about the heart and soul of cinema. I'm Tabitha Jackson
1: and I'm John Cooper. So Tabitha, here we are. We've been doing this. I know. How are you how are we feeling?
0: Oh, well, I I can't speak for you John Cooper, but I'm feeling very I'm feeling very warm and fuzzy about our series. <laughs> it's so lovely to be able to talk about cinema and life
1: with some great people Yeah, with some, with amazing some great people, people
0: amazing people. has
1: anything surprised you in all this
0: almost never failingly the answers to our little uh, quickfire question of what's the weirdest thing that happened to you in a movie theater never fails to delight me and it's not just on the show the the responses that we're getting from other people with some very fruity stories Brings delight to this old soul.
1: Yes. I'm very popular at at cocktail parties right now because I just do this podcast wherever I go. Um, Anyway, let's get to it because we have a great guest today and it's very exciting.
0: With credits, including but not limited to High Art, the station agent. The Maze Trilogy, Good Night and Good Luck, She Said, and Sharp Objects.
1: Today's guest has brought to life many of the most complex, dynamic women of independent film and television.
0: Her recent turn opposite Tracy Lizette in Andrea Palauro's Monica was described as, quote, wrenching and understated, rendering the moment simple and penetrating.
1: I got to know her during her illustrious run as the unofficial Queen of Sundance, which I think I labeled her that and then it stuck. You did. <laughs> Rightfully so. <laughs> but anyway.
0: Your Majesty, today's guest is the one of the only Patricia Clarkson. Hello, Hello Patty.
1: Patty. Hi, you guys. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for attending.
2: It's so it, lovely it, it to is, have you here. It's a privilege to be here. Really, um, honestly, you know, John, we go so far back. <laughs> I know. It's so nice um, to be here with you.
0: So, so just a little. Let's just get a little flavor, a little texture of your friendship. How did you? Where did you meet? How did you? How do you know each other? We, mm, we met during
1: high art. Yes. Well, it's even before right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you right. might not even remember.
2: Yes. Wait. That. Okay, no. I she don't. was
1: at the my first Sundance Lab, I think it was 1989. Oh, oh yes. And I was, <laughs> I was just on admin, and she, and but I was on the set that day. We got to go on the set every once in a while, and it was on Patty's set. I'm not mentioning any names of the other people. She was with the director, and I watched her come. She had to do an entrance that wasn't working like at all she had to come in with a wet umbrella and a wet bag it was into a bar and there was a scene and the director kept trying to get her to do it out of sequence like in the wrong logical way and she couldn't do it because she was so instinctually right for what she was doing she could not do it this weird obscure way that he was trying to get her to do and since she's there as like as a actress who's also an an advisor not just you know there be on call um she couldn't do it i'm like watching go this girl is a real actress she's just like (laughs) she was like so instinctual and just couldn't do it and drove the guy crazy but the whole crew is like let her do it her way it's the right way (laughs) but anyway it was like watching this i I
0: sort of remember that (laughs)
1: you probably blocked it
0: yeah that is probably have (laughs) <laughs> what, so what is your first memory of Cooper, Patty? It was high art, you know. It was.
1: Yeah, and, so it's
0: world premiere at Sundance. And,
2: you know, with the great Bingham Ray, John, that we miss all the time, you know. And mm-hmm. just the power that that film had. And we were there because of you. And it was just a monumental moment. Lisa Cholodenko, right. Ali. I mean, all of us there, Rada. Just all of us arriving with this kind of this one in a million film, uh, just and arriving with this new auteur, this new voice in cinema. At least Joel
0: and
2: everybody's so shocked that I was playing this German lesbian heroine <laughs> <That's>
1: right. <laughs> they
0: were.
2: I said, "Oh, it's like, it's like waking up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get out of bed." Uh, um, it was a, a time at Sundance to remember, and I would continue on with many other right. films with John, but I'll never forget the premiere of that film that night and Bingham Ray, like, running around like a like a boy, like, you know, just <laughs> filled with a spirit of, of independence, October film That's spirit right? of independence, right. you know. It oh, wow. was a beautiful, a really, really beautiful, momentous occasion, so...
0: That is a special moment. Thank you for indulging me, both of you. Um, You're here to tell us the answer to this question. Patty Clarkson, what is the film that blew your mind?
2: Woman Under the Influence. The one and only Jenna Rollins and the one and only John Cassavetes, if that's it, if there's only two, there's there's nobody that can begin to be that. It's not that someone is better or worse. It's just, there's only one of them each and they exist in the universe. That is uh, the greatest independent cinema of all time. And, and it just lives in my heart, you know, and watching her, you know, I, watched it again last night because I hadn't seen it in so many years and it's indelible. It still is engraved in my body, my soul. And I actually think it's even better now. Like I understand it even more. I it, it blew my mind even bigger watching it last night. I I I made the mistake of watching it Before bedtime, like right before I was, (laughs) and I did not sleep. I'm very honest with you, Mm. I did not sleep at all. The film is, there's honestly nothing like it. I think people have tried to emulate, have tried to capture that spirit, but it's just a one and only time in cinema history, and all the right elements came together. And you know what I was most blown away as? I forgot that it's a family affair.
0: Mm -hmm. That it's.
2: It's Catherine Cassavetes, and it's, you can't make it up, Lady Rollins from Arkansas, you know, Jenna's mother. So it's this
1: brilliant,
2: perfectly cast, cast, and Peter Falk, who bankrolled the film, Peter wow. Falk, and Cassavetes. Cassavetes said you can never make a personal film with a studio. Mm-hmm. So Peter Falk has, was quite flush from Colombo and paid
0: for this film wow so yeah no Patty. i have a confession to make uh which is that this film was so powerful that i didn't give myself enough time to finish it i had to stop i had to talk to my therapist and for that reason i'm gonna ask john cooper to give both me and the audience at home, who maybe haven't seen this, it's an incredible piece of work. Uh, But Cooper, will you just do a brief thumbnail synopsis before we go deep in there?
1: For people who haven't seen it, it's the, this is how it's listed too, an uncompromising portrait of domestic turmoil that details the breakdown of a housewife, Jenna Rollins, and her husband, Peter Falk, and the family's struggle to save her from herself. I think that's not, that's a pretty good synopsis, but yeah. it's so much deeper. It's yeah. so much bigger than that.
2: It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's so much more. And you realize, right. you know, I forgot about the strife, the, what Peter Falk had to, you know, we are, we, we are so conditioned mm. with him, the Columbo-ness of him. But the truth is, is the way he brings all of those men, you know, into his life and, and, is so hoping for them to kind of witness his beautiful, perfect wife make spaghetti and feed them. And it's all yeah. going well. And then it's not. Yes. And the scene, you know, when we first encounter her and her beautiful spindly legs and her slippers and her socks <laughs> and her sweater, and she's like waiting for that bus for those children and Every, she's asking everybody on the street what time is, and, and then she's, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, you know, and she's waiting, ever so eagerly, and 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 just throwing it away. And sometimes she's not even her face is not even on camera, but the body never lies. And there she is waiting. She's just, it says a thousand things. Um, her body tells the story as much as her voice and her face, which is really the beauty of her yes. as, as an actress. Yes. Uh, she is consonant, she is total,
1: you know.
0: She has such a spirit, the kind of the childlike excitement of it, of her waiting, the the kind of teenage, oh, screw you to these snooty women who walk past who won't give her the time of day. Mm -hmm. There's such a mischievous spirit about it. And yet there is also this sense and we saw it right at the beginning when her mum's taking the kids. But there's this sense of it's just not it's just slightly off. It's just slightly off when you can it's not right
2: you know something is deeply wrong you know there is there is a, a, a doomed air uh, hanging over it sadly but we keep hoping that she's just going to be slightly mm. Mm. fun and nutty yes and, right and eccentric And, um, I, you know, kept thinking, oh, she's just going to be my aunt Mimi. And, you know, she's just going to be this fabulous, beautiful, Mm. eccentric lady, you know, but it involves Mm. children and children's lives and a husband and, and there is a a deep volatility in the husband that we can't ignore. And, you know, Peter Falk had to take the blows well he gave the blows but he has to take the blows mm. playing that character in in its full kind of volatile force right and he they, didn't back down from it
1: they they both do something too it's like they know what normal is and they want to be that and they keep wanting to go back and go, if we play act this we will, we will be normal. We will become normal, and she does that a lot at that dinner party. where She's trying. She goes into this character where she's yes. the wife, and she's really playing yes. the wife, and not not like a fifties wife that's boring. No, she's, no, no. She's trying to be really charming and with the boys, and and but she just can't quite do it, and he can't do it either. He can't be normal either.
2: No, and but the the thing is, she, I think she genuinely loves the men that come into her house. She's talking about how beautiful they are. And, you know, I think she genuinely is a people person. I think she wants to be loved and to love um, these strangers and to be. um, And, and, and I think when she asked them to dance, I think she's being genuine. I think she really is thinking, you men have worked so hard all night. You've been working in the trenches all night for almost 24 hours. Let's have a little dance. You've had some wine, some spaghetti. But he's very... Peter's character can't really handle because she's had quite a few issues with men. And I think it just, it all goes wrong. And that's the beginning. That's the first phase of... The kind of demise of their mm. what I we always want to be mm. a beautiful relationship,
1: but it is right not. Well, he does love her. I mean, oh
2: God, yes.
1: The passion, the love is so big between them, and it's just oh it, my god, it's so
2: he's desperate for her just to be. I know, just a monicum of of dormancy, like even just a touch more. <laughs> he doesn't want her to be you know, this straight lady. He wants her to be the kind of brilliant, beautiful, ebullient, uh, out of control but loving woman. So he's just looking for her to just be slightly, just slightly more normal and it just can't come to fruition. It's just, and we're all waiting with bated breath for that to happen.
0: And he says something like, he's got that great line about she's not, She's not crazy. She's just unusual. Unusing. But she's not crazy. Don't In call her way. crazy. Yes. Right. She's not,
2: he's constantly trying to prove her sanity, which is a very, very difficult place to be when you're a husband and when you so passionately love your wife. Yes, yes. And you're fighting for every moment she exists. It's unrelenting.
0: It starts in an interesting way for me, which is the so this was the first time that I'm watching the film, and um, obviously it's legendary. It's a kind of film I thought I had watched but hadn't, and the title these big blocky titles of Woman Under the Influence, and then you and opera and and an opera, it's Puccini. So it's like, whoa, this is huge. Where is this woman? And then it cuts straight to men doing manly mm-hmm. things in a river and they're they're I don't know what they are. Water. I'm
1: plugging an aqueduct or something. right? Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: They're doing big things. And Peter Fork is one of them. And he says that he can't work overnight because he's promised his oh, yeah. wife that he will spend time with her. Because they've sent the kids away. Yeah, so they're yeah. going to have like a date That's night. That's right.
1: Her introduction to it's an amazing clip, which I think is worth showing. It's it's her getting all the kids in the car and away. Oh, God.
2: And she's running around with her real mother in life.
1: But you see her her manicness in, and her anxiety. And even the mom goes, she's very nervous or something. It's like she,
2: her instability is, is, is showing. I mean,
1: right.
2: she loves these children more than life right. itself. And I think even letting them go for a moment, it, 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 it really rocks her boat, it unsettles her even more.
0: Tony, don't Mom, yell at the kids. Mom. I don't want anything to go wrong. Your mother's terribly nervous. I Get in the car Mom. Mom. Come on, Brother, come on, Maria. Please don't yell. Everybody. Okay, Mother.
1: Goodbye, your Mama. Okay, okay. Bye,
2: Mama. Get your fingers and go by. Get your fingers. Okay? Wait a minute, mother. Mom, listen. If anything happens,
1: anything, I mean, if they're impossible, I want you to call me. I don't care if it's day or night. Do you understand? Yes. All right. You hear what I'm saying, Mom? Yeah. Because I don't want any slip-ups on this. I mean, I don't want you getting chicken shit and not calling. Okay. I oh, think I can take care of it. I don't want you saying, oh, Mabel is having a wonderful time. I don't want to disturb her while one of my kids is lying near All right. Okay? All right. All right. All right. Let's okay. take Let's go. Sit down. Don't break my head. Sit down. Everybody Sit down. back. Okay. Here. Everybody back.
2: But it's the way the mother watches her lady. Her name's Lady. She's a beautiful actress. Beautiful. And just the way she sees, my God. She knows. She's watching her, and it's a profound mixture of awareness and sadness. Mm, of yes, my daughter is not all right.
0: Yeah. But I, I hadn't got there until. So this was the first time I met. Uh, I met Mabel, and she's a fun. She's coming out. She's a fun mom and she at one point loses her sandals so she's just hopping over the grass trying to get the kids in the car and then she goes to get the the kid's bike and she rides this tiny uh-huh. bike back and it's like oh she's a laugh I want to be her friend it's only when so both Patty what you said about the way the mother is looking at her and then it's when she says okay, do, you know, do call me if anything happens. She says that once. and then Don't she, be chicken shit. Don't be chicken shit about it. Then yeah. it's like, don't be chicken shit. And if my kid is lying there bleeding, that's when it's like, yeah. oh, it's a bit off, but it's more than a bit off. But that scene is so beautifully calibrated with everybody, including the kids, um, that it was, it was, it's a joy to watch them. These, these children were magic. They were magic.
1: The, the, the scenes later on with the kids are amazing. Oh. I don't know oh my where God. they, f- I don't know who the kids are. They're no. not their real mm-hmm. kids because in the movie, it's his real mom, her real mom. So there is a lot of family.
0: I, I wanted to ask you, Patty, about, yes, Jenna Rowland's performance, but just, well, let's start there. So Cassavetes is often described as, you know, incredibly naturalistic as a, Director and, and that he elicits or facilitates naturalistic performances from the actors. And yet Jenna Rowland's performance, which is incredible, all the gestural work that, as you were saying, you never know what she's going to do next. There's I was hardly breathing out when I was watching her. That seems not naturalistic. Acting, but I wonder how you think of the the word performance or naturalism and how it's expressed in this film. I think
2: what she does is is almost impossible because she captures she puts us right on the tightrope. She puts us right there in the presence of madness, and we have to decide. You know, she, just this kind of broad. Uh, the this kind of over-the-top, for lack of a better word, but, but this, again, the instability in her life and in her gestures and her voice and in her speech and all of that. But yet I found myself completely, again, my breath taken away by seeing this because even though I know the movie well, I hadn't seen it in some time and I was just constantly fighting for her in my own way, which is a really powerful tool, which I think Cassavetes was capable of doing. He was taking these characters that could sometimes really you could be distanced from. But we aren't from her in any way. You know, Cassavetes wrote that he said, you know, I like people to be accessible. Mm. Films Maybe not. I don't care. But people, I want people to be accessible, <laughs> and so you know, it's um, she's. That's what it is. We all fall into her spell, so to speak, and we we're just watching. And I don't think we're watching yes. like a performance, which I think would be not good. We are watching a woman who's kind of trying to be something other than yeah. what she is. And she's trying to lift herself out.
0: So that's the truth of it. I love that. A woman trying to be something other than what yeah. she is, is the truth of the character. And also that's why it feels yes. so, ines- you said, relentless. It's kind of inescapable. There's no, It's it's constant tension of what's going to happen. But she is, for me, this fabulous creature. You just can't help being under her charms.
1: I think she's so they're so realistic that they're unbelievable. If that makes sense, sometimes sometimes people are so real that it's like, oh my god, I I can feel that it's real, but I haven't yes. seen it in other movies, so I don't think of it as movie realism. It's like a different reality.
2: Yes, but I think Cassavetes had a way of, you know. Creating that environment, he's, you know, the conducive environment that actors can just, I mean, you look at all of those actors, you know, no one's making false notes. Everybody is no. in the right. same world, even though her world is slightly elevated because she's losing grasp. But every single actor mm. showed up on that set to be in the the world, I think, that Cassavetti's created, but that's what a great director does. A great director helps Mm -hmm. you be Mm -hmm. all together in the same world. And so you're free. You're free. You're never thinking Mm -hmm. about the world. You're just in it.
1: I heard that he, none of it's improv. It's not improvisation, Mm -hmm. but he works with the actors and then writes the script from them. So everything they're doing is something they've discovered in there. So actors are very important to him, which a lot of movies' actors aren't treated like they're important. No.
2: I mean, I think actors are everything to him. I I think they held his heart and his hand, uh, both. And I think in equal measure. And, you know, um, I think many of us as actors today would have loved to have worked with John Cassavetes. You know, to have worked with John Cassavetes would have been you know, a momentous occasion.
0: It makes one wonder about not who is the John Cassavetes of today, but where are the opportunities for working in a different way, in this kind of way where the, the landscape, the dramatic landscape is in these tiny gestures or, or exaggerated gestures, but of human behavior. That's the, that's the world in which we're dwelling. It's, it feels like it's harder to find those spaces isn't it
1: to- it's harder to find them it's also harder to get them made. get them because- made that's the problem is right. it's
0: harder
2: to get them made.
1: can you imagine paying money for this and going and seeing this movie like today people would have just walked out they would have I like it's too sad it's too crazy i don't understand i'm just i need to get out of the theater and i think that there was a, a, a more savvy audience back there that was ready for a different kind of Entertainment, you know, they this was 1974, right?
2: Yeah. You know that little transistor radio she's swinging at one point? I had one of those.
1: those The little ball ones, I know. I was 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 14
2: years old, and I'd swing my little ball through the house. Come on, baby. (laughs) Um,
1: The sound in the movie was much better than that. actually came out of that transistor radio, though. It was like, wow, that transistor radio is really putting out the sound. Wow.
0: I want to take you, Patty, down down just as you tantalized us with your little... uh, Transistor yeah. Radio. <laughs> well, I want to know more about your your upbringing, but in relation to this film, when did you first see it? Where did you see it? Who were you with? I watched it like 30 years ago mm-hmm. for
2: the first time with some friends and some you know, actor friends. In a cinema or at home? In, in a cinema. There was a revival of it, like at, at right. Film Forum or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I went to see it and couldn't move, mm. you know, and none of us could. I then started to watch other of Cassavetti's films, but it was a precursor to my own independent cinema films that I would soon start being a part of. And, you know, sadly, I, 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 I don't think there will ever be another Casavetti's, and there definitely will never be another Jenna. I mean, they just, they are singular mm. and they, um, it, 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 but I do think there are people out there who are trying to make these very personal portraits, yeah, deeply personal and um, shockingly so. And not, they're not tawdry. They're not exploitive. There's nothing sensational about this film. What is Monumental about it is just the emotional impact, the toll it takes on you to see it because it's so well done. And you know, the mother, you know, mm. Cassavetti's mother, Catherine, oh. in that scene when she's screaming, screaming. Screaming! Get this woman! This woman she's crazy. crazy! Get her out of the, out house. the house! Right? This woman's crazy! Get her out of the house! Get her out of the house! Get her out!
1: What she's really yeah. saying is, get him away from the kids. That's what she's really talking about, right? right. Get
2: her away from the kids, and and it's. But can you imagine here is Cassavetes with pretty much everybody in his life that he knows and loves is on screen. You know, he mm-hmm. knows Peter Falk well. He knows maybe he mm-hmm. knows Jen and very well, and his mother and his mother-in-law and all these people. And they're all going <laughs> fucking crazy. And he's got a capture it, you know, and I just think well, what where, where was his heart? Like, how was he able to kind of keep the camera going and keep himself whole and keep himself from falling apart as all of these, really the brutality of the scenes, you know, starts to, it Mm. it starts to grow um, almost exponentially. And I, I reflected on what was Cassavetes doing? Like when the scene would be over, was he the one, most traumatized and I wondered you know what I mean <laughs> I mean watching your mother scream "It bloody hell murder scream to get this woman out of the house yes my god
0: we learned that um, he was initially thinking of writing this as a play and then Jenna Rowland said <laughs> I'll do it once but I'm not going to do this five times a week and twice on Saturdays <laughs> No she no, no. No,
2: was very very very, very So smart. before we before we
0: come back to the film can we can we learn a little about you and cinema and where you were raised and what cinema was for you I started watching films with my dad and mm. you know who I was
2: obsessed with was Peter Sellers so my father <laughs> and I would watch Peter Sellers films all the time. I know that sounds in, in, in Congress to me, but it's, it's. I swear to God. And we would watch Peter Sellers films and laugh and laugh, and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and have so much fun. But then what changed me is I remember I saw Gaslight with Ingrid Bergman and i had watched other women from the forties in films, mm-hmm. but I saw Ingrid Bergman and I thought, oh, oh, that's, that's how it's really done, you know? she captured me, and the truth, and the, the fragility, and I remember that's I was 15 when I saw that, but meanwhile, my father and I had been watching, like, the party, and laughing, we, we sometimes we watch it twice, and it fallen in the pool, and, you know, I haven't, I've got to go back and watch that, but then I also, <laughs> you know, that's when I kind of started to really care about cinema, it was probably when I was 14 15 16 I started doing theater in junior high I was in a speech class in mrs. Morrison mm. I would give these dramatic speeches and she said you know you're an actress I said oh okay and she said um, <laughs> and she said you need to be in the drama club and uh, you know I was in plays I you know I, I did these plays I did a play called flipped Feminist Liberation Idealist Party for Permanent Equality and Democracy. I was in ninth grade, and my teacher, Mrs. Shea, was a big feminist, and it was 1974. And we did Feminist Liberation Idealist Party for Permanent Equality and Democracy. And you know the speech that America gives in, like, Barbie? I gave that speech in 1974 (laughs) to an auditorium. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, we're still trying to catch
0: up, okay? <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I didn't
2: study cinema. I transferred to Fordham and did theater, and then I went to Yale School of Drama. There was no movie. There was no cinema there. I did theater, and then I graduated and started in, here in New York in 1985 and got a Broadway show pretty soon after I graduated. But then I got The Untouchables. Mm. The very first, right. very big audition wow. I went on. Right. Um, wow.
0: Yes, it was. That's a nice way to start
2: Shocking! Out. I I went in. Lynn Stallmaster, the great Lynn Stallmaster. Mm. I went and all dolled <laughs> up. He said, "Listen, you know you're playing Catherine Ness. She's a, you know, take away the hair and the makeup." And I was like, "Okay." And we're like a prairie dress. I was like, "Oh God, okay." And uh, I went back in to meet Brian De Palma and there was a reader there, but Brian De Palma read with me. He played Elliot Ness and I played, I read with him. And I, I think he likes, he liked the fact, the juxtaposition of my deep voice to Catherine Ness. And he said, okay, uh, you were going to fly you to Chicago to meet Kevin Costner. I was like, okay, I'm doing a Broadway show. So, We've got to figure out when you're going to find me. <laughs> I was doing House <laughs> of Blue Leaves on Broadway at the time. so um, wow, wow.
0: But that's how it all started. Yeah. I was wondering whether, when you think of Casavetes and how he, how he worked over and over again with some key actors, I was wondering whether that was remotely like, this is a weird thing to say, like Yale, Drama. Yes.
2: No, that's quite profound because, so there was an extraordinary man there. I had Rich Greenberg there, Richard Greenberg, the great, great, great Richard Greenberg. But there was an amazing man who's passed on, uh, the great Dick Beebe. And he wrote all these parts for me. I played an eight-year-old mm. murderer. I played, you know, I was his, you know, somewhat of his muse. And he would write these crazy uh you know out of these world parts, but we we worked in a similar way and also my fellow actors we it was this sense of community and I understand right. like Wes Anderson, he works with the same people over and over and over again. And it's why it's mm-hmm. brilliant. You know, he you know the patterns, you know, you know, I've worked with Isabel Crochette for three movies now. You know, I, I she know we know each other well, you know, there is a familiarity and there isn't. And it's not that there's a comfort, because I don't know that you ever want to be comfortable as an actor, but there mm-hmm. is there is a grace, there is an mm-hmm. ease. And I think we do our best work ever when we are stable, even though we're going to go to these heights and we're going to go to these lows. But we have to work from a place of, we have to be whole in order to go to these extremes.
1: Right. You, know? you have to trust each other, that that person, mm-hmm. it, that you're safe to go to those places. I,
2: oh, definitely.
1: I, I sense that's why I saw all in Jenna Rollins' performance is like, she felt safe as an actress to go there. It's where you can go there to- and and
2: fluid, yeah, and fluid, and 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 and, mm. and effortless and fluid. And uh, he and he also knew where to put the camera. And it's not that they're always in these close-ups. He, he saves those very specific close-ups, and they mm. have such power. They have mm. when that beautiful face of hers that comes into focus it's 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 those beautiful side eyes of hers and and you you can't look away you just can't
0: yeah can't and also the the gaze between Peter Falk's character and Jenna Rowland's character even at that big lunch we were talking about Mm -hmm. where he's brought all his workmates Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. kind of surprises her so we're already tense about what state she's going to be in when they all walk in But during this very rich scene and the singing and she makes spaghetti for whatever, 10, 15 people, but it's all Peter Falk is desperate for her to be someone who he can show off to his workmates. She's desperate for him to acknowledge that she's doing a great job. So there's all this stuff going on. The looks between them, when they catch each other's eye and they connect and it's like, yes, you're, you're my person, I love you and I'm proud that these, it's it's so profound, it's so profound.
2: It, it is, it just simply lives and it exists and it doesn't need any uh, tighter close-up, it doesn't need anything, it doesn't need endless amounts of time, yes. you know, it just, it's just there and Cassavetti gets it. And he captures it, and he doesn't miss a damn thing. <laughs> he does not miss a damn thing,
0: which then enables the audience to feel that we've discovered it. It's like, yes. oh, I saw that look between yes, them. Right.
1: Well, everybody, everybody in the room knows that there's a slight problem with her. They they know that there's oh, something. Oh, definitely. Everybody in the room, everybody who comes into her life knows that, but nobody has any knowledge or skill how to deal with it. And they all deal with mm-hmm. it in their own no, ways. No. Some people, some of the guys get a little too protective. Some, you know, the mom mm-hmm. is just like, you got to stop this. That's hurt." Th-. And even the doctor that they bring in is clueless. Oh. <laughs> you know, that's oh, like that the best doctor. part. He's just like, he's clueless. He's just trying to get a shot so into he's her. It's
2: incredible. Again, yeah. beautiful, perfect casting. There's mm-hmm. something sleazy about
0: it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. so there it is. <laughs> but I
2: think Cassavetes worth something slightly, I, I don't mean that, but there's something, maybe he's not the best doctor in the world about him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and, and he's, he's punching above his, his, his weight. He, <laughs> I I think he probably deals with like unhappy housewives. You know, he's not quite dealing with someone who is possibly on the, You know the the verge of a nervous breakdown and has serious mental illness, possibly. You know, and but it's such a great character. I found myself I couldn't take my eyes off him. I really, I want him to be her savior. I want him to be like, listen, I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You're going to be okay. And then that shot, you know, coming out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And
0: so, Patty, what do you think this film? So this film's 1974. Mm -hmm. Um, We have seen and indeed talked about on this show Films that show the oppressive and repressive uh, Effects of women in the home And the demands of, of society on them Forcing them to be someone other than they might already be Or someone other than they might hope to be This, in 1974, what do you think this film was doing?
2: I think it was the beginning of a march. I think it was the beginning of, you know, I think that's what Cassavetes really set out to make more so than an unstable woman, a woman, but more, what has this whole world, how deeply has this world affected her? And I remember, you know, my mother speaking about it. I remember in 74, my mother raising five children and, um, you know, she was lucky. My father was quite an exceptional human being for a man who lived with mm. six women and two female dogs. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Ramona and Bezos. Okay. Oh, okay, a little Beverly Cleary uh, reference. <laughs> but my mother could handle it. But I remember seeing moments when my mother would lose it and when when it took a toll on her and when she couldn't handle it i mean she was mentally stable and she but i remember moments when my mother was just completely and utterly overwhelmed with children and carpools mm-hmm. and lunches and after school activities and being the perfect wife, and my mother's very beautiful, and being the the woman you know, the father comes home to, and food on the table, and not a lot of money. We were barely middle class, we drank a lot of powdered milk, and you know, <laughs> I, I can't even smell it now. You can't, I can't even, uh, me, I either. Can't
1: even me either.
2: <laughs> I, <can't> even <laughs> <about it>. like, <laughs> I remember I had to learn to like it in cereal, and to this day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I, I think Cassavetes was making more of that film and there was a feminist bent and a feminist view sitting large, looming mm-hmm. large on this film.
1: Well, because in 1974, you know, you're know, you just after the big sort of hippie wave, the total freedom, mm-hmm. the total mm-hmm. and that. So now, but she had three kids during that time. So while all these other yeah. women... So she's, she's accepted as someone who's different as eccentric like she's not if it had happened 10 years earlier she probably would have just been put in a home and forgotten right but so so people were they were into that fact even the way she dressed and you you mentioned it earlier I just loved her costume <laughs> the short short dresses and just the freedom but
2: because those legs yeah those beautiful spindly yeah. legs, legs you know that's Casavetti's knowing she but they tell a whole story and you know she's whip it thin and she's almost barely tethered to this earth. Mm-hmm. Barely tethered mm-hmm.
0: yes. to this earth. Which was earth.
1: both a, an attractive trait then, somewhat. Yes. you were. It was yes. acceptable. I don't know if it was attractive, yes. but it was acceptable then. That's what he's kind of showing right. us. Right, right. Well, like all those men mm. got off on her because she was that oh. a woman that was very, well, you know, free and beautiful. different. Beautiful. Yeah.
2: Incredibly beautiful, oh. mm-hmm. slim, beautiful hair skin you know has these three beautiful children like you know she's kind of done it all And right. they want that you know right. mm. and that's what he's ju- juxtaposing is this kind of idealized woman with the grave reality of a woman who is barely tethered to the earth
0: yeah Yes, I love the that description, barely tethered to the earth, because there is something mm-hmm. beautiful and delicate about it. It's not that you want to take that all out of her. Before we let you go, because this has been such a rich conversation, we didn't even get into the pioneering spirit of independent cinema, which you then embodied and were were crowned <laughs> by Cooper and Queen of Sundance. But we have some we have some quick fire questions to ask you, if we may. First one. Uh, What's your favourite cinema and what is your favourite cinema snack? Okay. Don't overthink it, Betty Clarkson.
2: My favourite cinema is in New Orleans and it's called the Britannia. It's a beautiful art house, and I love it. And it's uptown New Orleans, and it's a beautiful, beautiful cinema that's been preserved in all oh, its glory. Gorgeous. And it shows my movies. And, yeah. and <laughs> um, my favorite cinema snack, hands down, milk duds. Wow. Yes, that milk is an <laughs>
1: ongoing trend.
0: Me, John Hamm, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cooper. Okay.
1: You might have touched on it a little bit, but if you had a second choice, when I know this is a difficult thing when you pick one film that blew your mind. It, do you oh, have another okay. choice film, that another film of a different ilk that maybe blew your mind?
2: Gosford Park um, blew oh. my mind. I love Gosford yeah. Park. And you know why? The women in that film are astonishing. Mm. <laughs> one by one by one, they're all... Pfft. Yeah. They're magnificent. It's like just women on fire mm, in that film. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, love it, love it, love that's it, love it. Great. But again, uh, brilliant man, yes. he's not that dissimilar to Cassavetti. Yeah. right?
0: You know?
2: Robert Altman, yeah, yeah. Altman yeah. and Casavetti, yeah, are, yeah. Um, they 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 come in the same door. Yes,
0: oh, <laughs> I like that door.
1: Um,
0: all right, what is the most bizarre thing that has ever happened to you in a movie theater? One.
1: <laughs> they always come like this this question always does it
2: I was watching Shutter Island uh, at the premiere <laughs> with people around me that didn't know that I was there you know and I looked so different <laughs> when I came on screen the man was like Jesus who is that ugly ugly woman and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> What the hell's her problem? And this man was narrating, like, my whole, like, ugliness. (laughs) Oh, my God. And he was, like, behind me to the side. He was like, who is that? What actress is that? And I want to turn around and say, look, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been
0: awesome. But he
2: was just, you know, going on and on about just how terrible I looked and everything. And I will say. I at the end of the film after the credits rolled and yeah. everything. And I looked like a million bucks out in this tight black dress, my hair and makeup done because I was on red carpet. I turned around and I said, sir, I'm that ugly lady in the cave," <gasps> <laughs> And he goes, oh my God. I love you. You're Patricia Clarkson. Oh my God! I figured it out. I like, uh, yeah.
0: That's <laughs> something that might make you drop your milk. And then he
2: again had to tell me, but you're the most beautiful woman. Oh my God! But that's because you're an actress and you transform, and like you're the most beautiful woman. Like uh,
0: nobody can do that. I was like, let's go drink. <laughs> he would not have slept that night or any night afterwards. And if uh, that
1: man listens to this podcast, I want him to come forward. <laughs> And admit it, and we will we will rectify everything. We will let him be forgiven. Yes. We will exalt oh, him.
0: Well, I don't no, think not, that's an argument. Not, yes. <laughs> no, he didn't go on and on. It was just like, "Ooh, who is that?" Like you know, it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> um, I just got to say, for our listeners, um, even though we're doing audio because it's a podcast, Patty Clarkson looks like two million bucks. <laughs>
2: No, you're so glamorous no, let Look me tell you, you, just, compared to I, you. I don't have the cleanest hair, but <laughs> Sorry, you can't. You're not that. I can't um, see that. No, I just put on some makeup. I'm vain. I'm southern. You know, I was born
0: with makeup. Yeah, and yeah. and
2: <laughs> I came out of the womb with like a
0: full set. You know what I mean? That's a painful birth right there. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> now, Tabitha, you have your last question, which is yeah. a good one.
0: Last question um. is what is the best piece of advice? you have ever been given or would care to give?
2: It's very simple. It's early on when I was young, my mother taught all of us to rise above. And it applies, it's applicable in every form of life, rise above. And sometimes it's hard to, and sometimes we we strain not to, but I have found wherever I am, whether on a movie set, wherever I am, in life and family, if you can rise above and be aware of the situation and be better, be better than the strife, be better than a person that is making the strife. If you can rise above and you're a better person, <laughs> become the better person in your life. And I, I try to, but.
0: <laughs> and that ladies and gentlemen is why Patricia Clarkson is the queen of of not just sundance but of all our lives. Thank you for that. We will endeavor to rise above, <laughs> oh my especially God. you Cooper, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. You're
2: both dreamy, all of you. Thank you so so much
0: Oh, that was lovely. that was a great one. That was... She is such a class act, that queen of ours. (laughs) I know, totally. Yeah, she out-queens you, Cooper.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And now that we finished her, um, we're going to take a break for the next two weeks. So everybody be prepared for that. I know you're all waiting with bated breath, but we will be back January 8th
0: after the holidays. So you know what? You have time to catch up with all our other amazing episodes that you may have missed over the holiday season while you're doing whatever you do in a holiday way. See you on January the 8th.
1: If you'd like to share the film that blew your mind, send us an email to stories at thefilmthatblewmymind.com film that blew my mind is hosted by me john cooper
0: and me tabitha jackson our executive producer is jessica buzzard
1: the show is produced by goat rodeo and to find more of their work go to goatrodeo.dc.com.
0: executive producers at goat rodeo are megan nadalski and ian enright
1: creative producers are max johnston isabel kirby mcgowan rebecca seidel and jay venables
0: Mixing and engineering by Rebecca Seidel. Intro music from Wayne Jones.
1: Marketing and publicity by Stephen Raphael at Required Viewing.
0: Graphics by Lee Fenvis.
1: Special thanks to Trevor Groth, Kirsten Chalker, John Nine, and especially Christine Buzzard. Also to all our friends and family who put up with us and our crazy projects.
0: Aww. If you like this episode, why don't you subscribe to stay up to date on new ones? And maybe leave us a rating and a review. Oh, and if you have any left, tell your friends.